right now, that sound you hear, that's the Black National Anthem. And that can only mean one thing. Damon Young is here from VerySmartBrothers.com. He's a writer. He's a humorist. He's a real funny guy. And he is the author of his first book, What Doesn't Kill You, Make You Blacker. And he's here to join us in the studio today. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. Hey, Jill. How are you? <laughs> I'm so Well, I got a good night's sleep in my own bed, so I think I might be winning this yeah you're, you're winning I, I i slept three hours on the plane from uh san fran to chicago and came straight here well thank you for that i would love to just think that you came just to talk to us but i you did got... this, is, this is the only reason <laughs> i'm in chicago only... um and that also because i knew um i knew i would be intro with the with the you know black national anthem so <laughs> which i didn't know that there was a third verse of it of 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 this song? until <laughs> like three weeks ago <laughs> maybe i would ask you to repeat it but i don't think we can i don't on, i don't, I, don't <laughs> not, I just i don't know it yet i just realized that it existed someday it'll come in handy maybe at a, a homecoming or something like or that. or maybe if i'm ever invited on black jeopardy <laughs> someday yeah. that's a good goal to have mm-hmm. for someone like you and, and of the two of us sitting in this room i think you've got the best chances of it okay <laughs> i want to uh get back in the the way back a little bit and talk about uh very smart brothers and uh the origin story you and panama jackson uh started this this blog that has become one of the the foremost collections of millennial black voices on the web and and neither of us are millennials i'm not either yeah so but you've got some people who are younger than us yeah doing that work but tell me about what sparked this idea um so we we both Panama and I started blogging um, back in, like, the early aughts. I started in 2002. He started uh, maybe 2003, 2004. And at the time, the black blogosphere wasn't, like, very wasn't very big. Yeah. Particularly, the, there weren't a whole lot of men, um, black men, uh, doing that. At least black men with, like, an audience and a following. And we kind of just gravitated towards each other, became friends. And then in 2008, we decided to come together um, and create a joint blog Um it was ourselves, and we had a third partner, Liz Burr, who was no longer with us. Um, she didn't die or anything. She's just... Uh, <laughs> she's moved away. Yeah, she she's, just, fine. she's fine. Yeah, she's, she, Liz is fine. She just is doing other things now. <laughs> I need to phrase that differently. She's, she's no longer with us. Yeah, she, she's still <laughs> living and breathing. Hey, Liz, if you're listening. <laughs> so uh, from that, you, you bring in uh, some some other writers whose voices you appreciate, and uh, the public seems to appreciate it as well. Did you know that it would take off like this? Did you know that, uh, that an entity like The Root would want to scoop you up uh, eventually, or was this just something that like you thought maybe you and your friends would enjoy? Um, I mean... I had aspirations um, and ambitions when when I started to blog. Now, I was working at Duquesne University in Pittsburgh um, in, in 2008 when it um, when we launched it, and then 2009 I got laid off. Um, the whole program shut down. Actually, I feel um, like a lot of media got laid off in 2000. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, and I was yeah I was in academia now, and I ha- was at a bit of a crossroads. Do I want to continue on doing that, or do I want to see if I could write full time? Um, and I, I kind of chose the latter, obviously, and latter and chose in quotations because I was forced to choose it because I went on interviews and didn't get hired anywhere. And, but this was the thing I always wanted to do. Yeah. So it was just like, you know what? Now's your chance to see if you could build this, build a blog up and get better at writing. And, um, but, but my original ambition though was for VSB to exist as like a resume, 
where I could I can approach like a larger digital publication or print publication, like you know what, this is what I've done over these years. Hire me as a columnist or you know or or whatever, and you know as as VSB continued to to build up and opportunities came. I, I started to realize, like, in 2014, probably, that, you know what, I don't have to leave VSB. VSB is valuable enough where, you know, I could turn this into a full-time job. And um, and then Univision, uh, which which um, owned the route, um, was interested in acquiring us, and, and that happened in 2017. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. This afforded you the opportunity to uh, to write this book. Yeah, yeah. And the book deal came in 2016. Um, I started working at, uh, you know, got a got approached by GQ, and um, earlier that year in 2016. So opportunities just, you know, just came, just sprung out of VSB's, uh, I guess, just cultural prominence and relevance. Yeah. And people just wanting like a piece of that on different platforms. I'm Jill Hopkins. Damon Young is here. We're talking about his new book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. How on earth is this your first book? You are such a prolific writer. Why was now the time to share your stories? Um, well, this is my first solo book and first like major label, you know, all, all you know, all the bells and whistles mm-hmm. behind, you know, having a publishing company behind you. Um, sort of book. Um, Panama and I did a um, like a self-published relationship, uh, tongue-in-cheek relationship book back mm-hmm. in 2011, 2012, 2011. And um, but yeah, this was what well, doesn't kill you makes you blacker is my first solo. Um, it's a memoir and essays, and this was just the right time. Um, you know, I I I just believe that I had um, improved as a writer and I wanted to, to do this. And I'm not going to say that it was a validating thing, creating a book, but there is a certain, I had an ambition Mm -hmm. to do this and this ambition has existed for a while, but it's, I'm in a position now where I'm in the best position to do it. Yeah. Um, like this was an ambition that stretches back to two thousand and you know, eight, two thousand nine. But I wasn't ready. You know, no. my, my writing yeah. wasn't ready, <laughs> um, my platform wasn't ready. like I just wasn't ready to do that. And then. nobody wants to read a book that's not fully baked. That's not you don't want to read a half, you know, half baked book. You know, you want to put it back in the oven and burn it. <laughs> you know, that, that book needs to cook. That book needs to be set on fire, <laughs> probably. So I, I I wanted to, you know, yeah, I wanted to wait until it was the right time for me. And that, that time is now. Being black in America is an adventure every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's different for everybody. It's uh, different for me than it is for you. Mm-hmm. What is it about your experience that you thought was important and that you thought people would relate to? Well, so much of the, of the national conversation and attention about race, about racism, about black people, I feel like it, it exists at these opposite ends of the spectrum where you have this, this focus on like this terrible trauma, which is necessary yeah. because that's 
you know, that's that's real. That's the reality. And we need to dive into that and deconstruct it and figure out the reasons behind it and 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 whatever and assign blame um, when when necessary. And so you have that. And then you have like this black excellence, like the talented 10th, the the people who like summer. <laughs> who use summer as a verb, um, you know, who get into all the IVs and, you know, HBC, you know, and I'm neither. Yeah. I exist in the middle and I, um, I think most of us do. Yeah. Obviously most of us do. And so I was just more interested in just diving into just some of the, the angst, the absurdities, the anxieties, the neuroses, the self-consciousnesses. Um, the vulnerabilities um, that uh, that that may be specific to my experience, but the concept of having those things is not unique. And and exploring those, exploring like the reasons, exploring like okay, why did I do this thing? Um, you know, how did how is this situation that I experienced as a fifteen year old? You know, what perspective? You know, the perspective I have as a 40-year-old has that, you know, kind of changed how I view that situation, um, you know, and also including and injecting a critique of, like, uh, of white supremacy, of, of patriarchy, of masculinity, of the performance that sometimes goes hand-in-hand with masculinity, um, with economic anxiety, um, with Pittsburgh, um, with my relationships with, um, with my parents and... Uh, the women I've had romantic relationships with, including my wife. And and so I just, I don't know, I just felt like it was the right time. And, and also I wanted to really dive into those, those topics just to, when you experience, again, angst, anxiety, you know, particularly as a young person, mm-hmm. you can, you can also feel claustrophobic. Yeah. It weighs on you. Yeah, and you feel like you're the only person experiencing these things. And so, you know, my, one of my hopes is that a 15-year-old me, 25-year-old me even, you know, is able to pick up this book and read it and, and recognize that, yeah, I'm not, it's not just me. And when you realize it's not just me, then then I think that there's less there's less of a compulsion to perform. Damon Young is here. We're talking his new book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker. I don't want you to have to wallow around in black trauma this early <laughs> in the day. Uh, it's, it's its own genre of film at this point. But uh, I do like to talk about health on this show, mental health, physical uh-huh. health, how we deal with it amongst ourselves, how the healthcare industry deals with it, uh, sometimes for us. Uh, whether or not we uh, want them to do it in the way that they do. And uh, I really admire the fact that you did not shy away from any of that conversation in this book. Uh, We're big fans of destigmatizing all of that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And uh, a conversation I wanted to have with you was about your your mother, your late mother. And... um, the not just the trauma that it inflicted on you, but just the actual things that happened to her because of how black women are treated, uh, not just by the healthcare industry, but in this nation, in this world. Uh, it was such a strong, strong point in the book, and you handled it with such care and with such respect, but with uh, some humor as well. 
why is talking about that particular incident and this this very broad topic so uh, important to you? Why was it a priority to make sure you included? Well, it it was important to include um, my parents. Like both of my parents are prominent in the book because I, I wanted their story to be told. I wanted people to know them um, because to, to know anything about me, you have to know them. You have to know, you know, the, their experience and, 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 and their perseverance and their love, their love for me, their love for each other. Um, and, you know, and with my mom uh, specifically, she puts a human face on, you know, this talk about these, this neuroses and anxieties and, and questioning whether things happen or didn't happen because you're black. Mm-hmm. And just for more context, um, it'll, it'll be six years in October since my mom passed away. Um, she was diagnosed with uh, stage four lung cancer a year before she died and, um, they gave her six months and, you know, she, she took those, stole away six more and then succumbed to the illness. And I think about that. And I also think about the years before she was diagnosed Mm -hmm. when she would complain about stomach pain, headaches, backaches, and would go to the doctor and would be in this like tremendous pain. And they tell her to, you know, take some Advil, take less Advil, get more exercise, drink some pop. And, and, and again, those are all, that's all, you know, good things that you should tell people. But I, I wonder if her pain would have been, would have resonated differently with the doctors that she saw if she was a white woman. And if that pain resonated differently would her treatment would have been different? And if her treatment would have been different, um, would they have caught the cancer? And if they would have caught the cancer, would she still be here? And that 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 belief exists in concert with the knowledge that, you know, there are studies that you could read, you know, today that show that the doctors still um, believe that black people have, like, the supernatural tolerance for pain, black women specifically. Mm-hmm. And, you know... You could even cite like a woman like Serena Williams, yeah, who who almost died after after delivering her her daughter because um, the people in in you know the hospital after she you know gave birth didn't believe her, and she's rich, and she's Serena Williams, yeah, like she is <laughs> she's Serena she's Serena, <laughs> you know, and and if you um. And again, she had to like this. I don't know. I, it went for like a day, two days, where she kept going back and forth, and they finally did whatever test they had to take yeah. and saw that if they would have released her, that she may have died yeah. at home. She's an elite athlete. I think she knows her body. And if anyone, yeah, should be trusted about their body, it's one of the greatest athletes in the world. One of the greatest athletes the world has ever seen. Mm-hmm. And if Serena. Is treated like this. What about my mom? What about my wife? What about my daughter? Um, and so, I, I I had to write about that. Uh, and the, the title of that chapter is "Living While Black Killed My Mom," uh, because it's it it just again it just put a a, a human face um, to 
just to not just the claustrophobia, but the um, the environmental and spiritual and atmospheric pressure that um, that racism um, places on us sometimes. Yeah, it's a it's it's a killer. It it literally yeah. is. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, the stress, the 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 actual physical mm-hmm. manifestations of of. Just living here. It yeah. Is. And the book, you know, the book starts off and, and, you know, for, for people who mm. haven't read the book yet, the book, it, there's a lot of very light, very funny stuff in the book too. I mean, it's, it does. Oh yeah. I don't want yeah. people to think yeah, this the is first, just a bummer um, of a read. <laughs> <laughs> like the first chapter, um, or the, the intro is a uh, living while black is an extreme sport. And I start to and I start to bulk off by um, telling a story about the polar bear plungers, <laughs> which is a group of people who every New Year's Day in Pittsburgh. Oh, they they do it here too. Oh, they do it. They do it in Chicago too. Okay, strip butt naked and um, dive into the Monongahela River, and you know Pittsburgh and Chicago are northern cities, mm-hmm. and you know it's pretty cold um, New Year's Day, and so again, if you've never if you've never actually seen a polar bear plunger, if you've ne- if, you're, if this is your first time hearing of this, <laughs> I am certain that you are that you have an idea of the racial composition <laughs> of the sorts of people who do this thing. And so I'll talk about that because you know, this notion of artificial kamikaze of of doing of, of inventing these things that bring you so close to death. <laughs> you know, um, the bungee jumping, the um, the the whale spelunking, the 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 shark, the the, the shark sparring, or or, or whatever danger, manufactured danger, and and you know, white people aren't. I'm not going to be the comedian. White people do this. Black people do this. But black people do some of that <laughs> stuff too. But this yeah. is a, a predominantly white thing, and I. I I include that right in the beginning of the book because I just don't have the same compulsion to invent that sort of danger because just walking out of my house is exciting. (laughs) You (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. Like just driving, just driving and getting followed by a cop. That's, I mean, that's good, but that's exciting. I don't need to like invent a thing to, yeah, I don't need to invent ways to get adrenaline or to induce fight or flight that just happens then that just walking through a department store and i'm you know i'm being asking all these questions you need some help that is exciting (laughs) (laughs) okay so i don't need to invent it mountain dew to go to the mall (laughs) (laughs) you can follow damon at damon young vsb on twitter for all the the info and thank you so much for joining us. I uh, this is this is a dream. You're a dream guest. Oh wow! Thank thank you, thank you, thank you for having me.